The Daily Rios, episode 456, favorite Star Trek Deep Space Nine season two episodes. Hey everyone, this is your host, Peter. Let me start off with an apology. If you hear any rumblings in the background, that's because I'm recording this in between some crazy storm cells here on uh, what's today. Today's date is Tuesday, May 28th. So a lot of stuff going on in the weather. So I apologize for that. I'm getting back to my great Star Trek rewatch. The last... Daily Rios episode I did on Deep Space Nine was for season one. That was the Daily Rios episode 434 back in August of 2018. Now, at the time, I jumped right into watching season two. But keep in mind that season two runs concurrent with the Next Generation season seven. So I was flip-flopping back and forth. And then back in September 2018, I released the Daily Rios 437, which was a look at The Next Generation Season 7. And I was watching Deep Space Nine Season 2. I should have recorded back then. I did take a bunch of notes, but, you know, life happened. So that meant that I had to re-watch the rewatch for this episode just to make all of these notes make sense. So that's where we're at. Deep Space Nine Season 2 from the 1993-1994 TV season. And as I've mentioned in previous episodes, these are my favorites. They're not particularly the best episodes of the season. Some of them may not be the strongest episodes, but I have a list of my favorites, and then I have an honorable mentions list. Um, Now, some of the things I mentioned at the top of last Deep Space Nine episode, basically uh, some nuggets that the creators threw out when they were talking about developing this show, and I wanted to just keep these in mind. So they said it's a show about conflict. Characters don't just end their status quo at the end of an episode. People aren't perfect, and they wanted to take a look at how the Federation works and can grow. Now, some of my larger takeaways from Season 2 include things like this really feels like a Kira and Quark season. Kira has a definite arc in this that she's been having since Season 1, and she's a character that I kind of brushed off when I was younger, but as I'm doing this rewatch, I'm realizing just how, how important she is. I do have to wonder if this journey will keep going, once the show moves beyond the Bajoran conflict that started it, and they start to move deeper into what's going on in in Season 3 and beyond. The character of Quark is definitely a character that I've been liking since the very first, uh, first episodes, even. And I think it's really interesting that this show did a complete 180 with the Ferengi compared to how they were portrayed in uh, The Next Generation. And if you remember when I talked about some of the early seasons of The Next Generation, 
they very much had it in their mind that they were going to make the Ferengi the big bad. Like they were supposed to be the Klingons uh, for the next generation. And that didn't work out, obviously. They became kind of stock characters. But here in this show, between last season and a bunch of episodes this season, uh, you know, Quark continues to be one of my favorite characters in the show. And the Ferengi have a much more interesting place within the Federation. So that's kind of cool. In terms of other characters, Cisco still really isn't moving to where I think he, um, where I think he will go in later seasons. When a lot of people talk about how great Cisco is as a captain, there are definite moments in this season where it's like, yes, there's the Cisco that that we are going to really like. But as of yet, his story isn't playing out, and I think that's purposely done purposely, you know, they want to build up some of the supporting characters. Um, both the station and Cisco are finding their feet within the Federation, within the context of this whole, um, you know, being run slightly by the Bajorans and the wormhole and the Gamma Quadrant being out there, et cetera, et cetera. So I think once it opens up and they really start to showcase how much all of this is affecting one another, that's when I guess he is going to really take the reins. But right now, you know, it's still kind of like a slow build. I'm still not necessarily a fan of Dax, although uh, she's had some, a few interesting episodes or moments here and there. I guess it makes sense that whenever it's a Dax-related episode, it has to be about the trills, but sometimes I wish it wasn't, which we do get one episode like that in this season. Um, Bashir is fine. I, there's nothing really to connect me with him right now. Um, and same thing with, um, O'Brien. Again, he's fine. Um, what I do like is that the show continues to spotlight the relationship between Cisco and Jake. And we get to see not only a father and son, but a father and son, um, that is representative of, a relationship that we don't we didn't really get to see especially in the early 90s so that was that's really great it's healthy it's very loving they're very physical with each other and I think that's awesome and then of course just like at the end of say the next generation season three the ending of deep space nine season two is clearly a bigger push towards developing what the storyline is going to be for season three and beyond so Let's dig into some of the episodes here. Again, not the best, just my favorites. You're going to be able to tell that I'm definitely sticking to canon or story development things um, as opposed to one-off episodes here and there. So here's the list uh, for Deep Space Nine Season 2. The opening three-part, episodes 1, 2, and 3, Homecoming, Circle, and Siege. Cardassians, episode 5. Episode 8, Necessary Evil. Episode 19, that's a big jump, for Blood Oath, right? That's a great episode, come on. Uh, episode 20 and 21, which is the Maquis, part one and two. And then the season continues to end strongly with episodes 23, 24, 25, and 26, which are called Crossover, Collaborator, Tribu Tribunal, and the Jem'Hadar. So we start with a three-part opener of Homecoming, Circle, and siege. Commander, 
You and I both know the provisional government is made up of political opportunists, too busy fighting amongst themselves to care what happens to Bajor. Since the loss of the Kai, the situation has only gone from bad to worse. There are reports of factional fighting in half a dozen districts. Religious riots have spread throughout the southern islands. Bajor needs a leader. Someone the people will listen to, someone they can trust. And you think that Lee Nullis is that leader? I know he is. Now, what I really like about these episodes here, first of all, they, they start off season two uh, in, a, in a way that we're not used to, right? I think because this show uh, is able to look at the next generation, they're able to do things a little differently. They don't have to do these one-offs. They can try to do a three-parter. They can try to just jump right into the season. And this is the uh, trilogy where we get a character named Lee Nallis, and he is um, almost like a forgotten hero of the Bajoran War who was found in a Cardassian camp. And at this time, a lot of people feel like Bajor needs a leader, maybe a spiritual leader, maybe maybe a political le leader. We get a lot of conflict between uh, both the military and um, um, the religious side of Bajor. Uh, we get Vedic Wynn back again, who is a great character. We meet uh, Minister Jaro, played by Frank Langella, which is awesome. Uh, he also wants to manipulate events behind the scenes. Lee Nollis is played by Richard Bremer, who you may know from Twin Peaks. You may also know him as Tony in the original West Side Story movie. So as I said, he's found, and there are people who don't want him to uh, have a place within Bajoran society. He might be too strong if he stays on Bajor. So they manipulate things so that he's going to take Kira's place by the end of um, the first episode. And then, you know, this also involves a lot of stuff with Kira. And uh, we get to see some of her relationship with Vedic Burial. It's, it's politics. It's military. It's, um, you know, machinations behind the scenes. It reminds me very much of the Vulcan reunification episodes in TNG with Spock, where the very, you know, fundamental core of Bajor is at stake here. And then there's a whole thing in, sec in episode three where Bajor is going, going to take over the station and, uh, you know, Lee Nollis is, he, he basically sacrifices himself to save Cisco, and all of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes finally comes out. Um... Of the three episodes, I think the second episode was the best. But along the way, there were some really great scenes. It does a lot to kind of cement Kira and her position. Uh, you know, because this this whole thing is about, this whole show is about the Federation trying to maintain order for Bajor as they just came out of the um, occupation by Cardassia. So Deep Space Nine, of course, is in the middle of all that. And then, as I said, you have the military, you have the religious side of Bajor, and Kira's loyalties get really tested in this episode, in these episodes, which, you know, I just, I just like. Um, at the start of episode two, when Kira is leaving Deep Space Nine, there's a really great scene that takes place in her quarters where all of the characters show up, and there, some of them are saying goodbye. Some of them are just, you know, trying to tell her to fight 
uh, this decision. Uh, and she ends it with by saying, you know, these are my friends. And I think it is the the scene and the episode where you finally start to go, yes, you know, this is a nice cementing of this core group of characters for this show. It's also well choreographed. It's also well dialogued. It's one of the best scenes so far. There's some sillier moments where Quark is deputized by Odo to try to find um, where the weapons are coming from that uh, some members of the Circle um, are getting. They're like this uh, faction within Bajor that apparently, I think uh, by the end of it, we see that Jaro was was part of that as well. And, uh, you know, some kind of like coup going on. And also the Cardassians. Um, by the end of season two, they have to evacuate the, excuse me, at the end of episode two, they have to evacuate the station. Um, we get a scene in the third episode that reminds me of Battlestar Galactica, the speech given by Adama where he draws a line and he says, all right, you either go on this side and you come with me or you go on the other side and you leave. There's a scene that's kind of like that. Some of the storytelling, um, there's some beats that as I'm watching, I'm going, oh, right, that's they recycle that for Battlestar Galactica. So, yeah, that three-part opener, uh, just great. Just very, very great. All right, then we move to episode five, Cardassians. I'm sorry you're upset about the orphans. Children without parents have no status in Cardassian society. The situation is most unfortunate, but I don't make the rules. But you do play the game, don't you, Garrick? And there is a game being played right now as we speak, isn't there? There are always games, Doctor. The trouble is, I don't have the slightest idea what this game is all about. So this episode, we get in, get to dig into a little bit more with Garrick. We get a little bit more about Ducat. Mark Alamo continues to be a great uh, actor. Uh, it's an episode about war orphans, Cardassian war orphans that were left on Bajor after the, after the uh, occupation left. Um, it's some more political intrigue. We get some character work out of O'Brien, definitely with his sort of like Cardassian prejudice. Bashir actually gets to do something in this episode. Uh, we find an orphan resettlement on Bajor. Um, we get to learn the name of Deep Space Nine, I think for the first time, uh, when it was under Cardassian rule called Terok Nor. So again, there's a lot of like politics, pawns, chess pieces between Dukat and the military, uh, the civilian government of Cardassia. There's a war orphan that's found. He might belong to a politician, and uh, Dukat might have known that he was left behind and kept him there on Bajor, maybe to use him later against the civilian government, and that's exactly sort of what goes on. Obviously, I understand the importance of Garrick and his character, so anytime an episode focus on, focuses on him, I'm always paying attention because I want to see what kind of information comes out so it's just an interesting episode. Um, the boy's father uh, is played by Robert Mandon, who was an actor on Soap, one of my favorite 70s shows. If you know Soap, uh, starring Billy Crystal and Robert Mulligan, I guess his name is. I think that's the other actor's name. Um, just a great series. So he was really good in it. Richard Mulligan, that, that's the actor's name, Richard Mulligan. 
And it very much remind me of that song from South Pacific, You've Got to Be Taught to Hate and Fear. Uh, that's sort of what's going on here. So uh, just a good episode, just a, a real solid episode, taking advantage of some of the political stuff um, that this show is based on. Okay, then we jump to episode eight, Necessary Evil. You're not planning on leaving the station soon. If I were, would you have the Cardassians stop me? Yes. And I'm not planning on leaving the station soon. Let me tell you something. Unofficially or not, you're working for the Cardassians. Sooner or later, you're going to have to choose whose side you're on. I don't choose sides. Everyone has to choose sides, Constable. What we get from this episode is a story that centers in the present, but also in flashbacks to when Odo first met Kira on Terok Nor, and Quark as well, and how it was that he became the constable uh, through uh, a murder investigation that was spearheaded by Goldicott. So we just get to learn a little bit of how Odo came to be in this position of power, his relationship with Kira. Um, it's a murder mystery that leads to some lies, to some testings of friendship. And we find out that Kira really was the one who killed the, um, the, the victim. And that puts a little bit of strain at the end of the episode between Kira and Odo, although it's not talked about again. <laughs> But it does end darkly, and, and that's kind of interesting. I think uh, Rene as Odo is great. Um, he's very shy in those flashbacks when he's first starting out, and it's a nice counter to the way he acts now, where he's very forceful in the present. I wrote here, only 10 minutes in, and I'm all for this episode. Quark gets hired by a woman that he knows from the past to find something in one of the stores Um on the on the uh, station, and we get some scenes between Quark and Rom, who I still consider to be the ultimate Ferengi. Uh, Quark gets shot. I like the way the rest of the crew rally around him to try to save him. It's just just some interesting scenes, just some fun, interesting scenes, and and some nice history that I appreciated here. And then episode nineteen, Blood Oath. There's a drunken Klingon in my holding cell, must be a hundred years old, singing battle songs. <laughs> Even his best friend, who's probably a hundred and fifty years old, won't have anything to do with him. So I get the pleasure of listening to his repertoire. Korn, Dahar, master of the Klingons. Did you say Kor? That's what he announced right after winning the Battle of Klak de Kelbracht at Forks. What is he doing here? Did you get his friend's name? Was it Kang? No, it was... Come with me, Odo. Come on, this is a great episode, right? I think it's the best of the bunch so far in season two, maybe in all the seasons put together. Uh, we get the reunion of three Klingons from the original series here on Deep Space Nine over 100 years later, I guess. And we get to see Dax in a story position where it doesn't have to always be about the trill. The ending, again, is very open, very dark. Um, but seeing those three Klingons, seeing those three actors again, uh, especially um, John Colicos as Kor, 
from the Errand of Mercy episode of the original series. Um, the reason I like him is because when I was doing the great rewatch from that for the original series, which I had never seen before, and I got to the first time they showed you a Klingon and it was Core, uh, I suddenly went, oh my God, suddenly Gowron makes sense. It makes sense why the actor plays Gowron the way he does. Because when you watch uh, John Colicos as Core, there are a lot of similarities. So it was great to see him again. And then, of course, we get to see Kang and Koloth. And, uh, you know, we're living in the time where Star Trek Discovery is on. And although I haven't finished it, uh, you know, we had, a, we had an albino Klingon in that series. And this episode, Blood Oath, is about these three Klingons and Dex going after an albino. Now, they don't necessarily call him a, a Klingon, but you can certainly make some headcanon out of the two, and a lot of people have already. This is nothing new that I'm saying, but a lot of people kind of said, oh, you know, you could sort of connect the two characters. Um, fun episode. I don't have to go on with it. It just really was a great episode. Okay, then we get to episodes 20 and 21, The Maquis, parts 1 and 2. Establish a dialogue. What the hell does she think I've been trying to do? Commander. Just because a group of people belong to the Federation, it does not mean that they are saints. Excuse me. Do you know what the trouble is? No. The trouble is Earth. Really? On Earth, there is no poverty, no crime, no war. You look out the window of Starfleet headquarters and you see paradise. Well, it's easy to be a saint in paradise. But the Marquis do not live in paradise. Out there, in the demilitarized zone, all the problems haven't been solved yet. Out there, there are no saints, just people. Angry, scared, determined people who are going to do whatever it takes to survive, whether it meets with the Federation approval or not. Makes sense to me. Now, this is where the flip-flopping with TNG, the last season of TNG, uh, really made sense because you got to see a lot of the Maquis develop within the next generation. You got to see certain characters flip-flop back and forth, certain admirals. These two episodes are just about, you know, what's going on in the demilitarized zone between the Federation and Cardassia, certain colonies going after each other, and then how uh, the cast of characters from Deep, Deep Space Nine get roped into it all. So one of Cisco's friends, Commander Calvin Hudson, um, who is a Federation officer, he thinks the Federation has abandoned these colonies. He calls it a bad treaty. And we get to see the friendship between those two men uh, deteriorate. And then, oddly enough, we get to see a little bit of connection between Cisco and Gull Dukat, who also is investigating what's going on. Uh, there was an explosion at the station that killed a whole bunch of Cardassians. It turns out that the Federation might have been involved in it. And that's how we get led into all of this. So we get to see... Um, as the creators talked about, we get to see what makes the Federation work, where it works, and maybe where it doesn't work. The cast of characters in these episodes are also great. Not only do we get our core cast of characters, but as I said, we get Dukat, we get Calvin Hudson, Quark and the Vulcan Gunrunner, uh, Kira, Kira and Sisko have some great scenes together, uh, Golovec, we get to see him. We get to see some members of the Maquis. 
we even get the start of something that will kick off Voyager when they talk about this uh, section of space called the Badlands and how it's a series where there's a whole, bu- whole bunch of, I don't know if they're like plasma storms, I guess, that uh, makes it hard for ships to uh, venture through. So uh, we get that little bit of nugget of information here. And then it ends with to, uh, Cisco having to take a look at the Federation, his friend leaving the Federation. Some similarities between Ducat and Cisco, but also some really very strong differences that, uh, you know, Cisco doesn't want to become someone like Ducat. And you have to ask yourself, who is right? Who is right in this skirmish? So yeah, some really just strong episodes. The scene between Kira where she blasts Cisco and the Federation about what it's like to be under Cardassian rule and occupation is just really great. And then encounter to that in the second part, Cisco has uh, also kind of like an explosion towards Kira about the Federation and how being on Earth makes them too easy, makes them too comfortable. They don't know what it's like to be out in, uh, you know, where the strife really is. Another strong scene where Gul Dukat is flexing his muscle with um, with a Zeppelite trader who probably has some Cardassian weapons on board. Uh, gets You get to see a little bit of his power. So a strong two-parter, and as I said, the whole rest of the season is just really strong. So we go to episode 23, Crossover. Maybe it's a fairy tale he made up, but it started me thinking how how each of us might have turned out if history had been just a little different. I wanted him to take me with him. Because whatever it's like where he's from, it's got to be better than this. There's got to be something better than this. This is another fun callback to the original series as we venture back into the Mirror Mirror Universe uh, it's interesting that they use Kira and Bashir to go over there and not someone like Cisco or Dax. Um, so that's kind of nice. It gives them a little bit of a focus outside of their normal parameters. And it's interesting to see where the Mirror Mirror Universe ended up. It's probably not where you might expect. Uh, it's a little bit of a tangent. I have to wonder if we're going to get more Mirror Mirror episodes in Deep Space Nine or if any of this was continued in maybe some of the novels, because even as great as it was, it kind of feels a little off that it's, I don't know, there was something about it that was like, okay, I'm not really sure if this is where, if you extrapolate what happened in TOS, is this where we would have gone? Maybe, I don't know. We also learn in this episode that there's a new Bajor colony in the Gamma Quadrant, and that'll play uh, into some of the later episodes here. All right, then we go to Deep Space Nine, episode 24, The Collaborator. How'd you guess? It's simple. We've been here more than a minute, and we haven't insulted him, threatened him, or arrested him. Exactly. So what is it, and how much trouble is it going to cause me? No trouble at all. We just need you to bypass the security seal. (sighs) Isn't that illegal? Spare us. Cork, this is important. We need access to certain communication files in the Vedic assembly records. Perfect. Not only is it illegal, it's sacrilegious. I'm sure the prophets won't mind just this once. Okay. 
but I'm going to have to have written authorization from you, countersigned by... Just do it, Quark. Sure, when things go wrong, I take the fall. Nothing is going to go wrong. That's what you think, but I happen to be a firm believer in rule of acquisition number 285. No good deed ever goes unpunished. We jump back into some Bajoran um, politics or, or some spiritual politics because they're about ready to elect a new Kai. And although Kira's boyfriend, uh, Vedic Barao, is the forerunner, uh, by the end of the episode, what happens is we get Vedic win, Kai win, who continues to be not only a great character, but played amazingly well uh, by Nurse Ratchet herself, Louise Fletcher. Just the way she relates to Kira and, and what she brings to the show so strong, so powerful, so great. So yeah, it's a it's another episode continuing the Bajoran narrative, who is going to lead the people, and uh, it's going to set up, uh, you know, some other episodes down the road, I have to imagine. We also get a bunch of visions in, in this episode. Um, Vedic Baral has a bunch of visions. And again, it reminds me of stuff that we're going to see in BSG uh, later. Then we go to episode 25, Tribunal. I have orders to arrest you, Mr. O'Brien. Arrest? Search the ship. What are the charges? You have the right to refuse to answer questions, but such refusal may be construed as a sign of guilt. I, I demand to know what I'm being accused of. You deny all knowledge of this crime. How the hell am I supposed to deny something when I don't know what you're talking about? So you do not deny all knowledge. We are Federation citizens and we have rights. Yes, yes. All your rights, as defined by Cardassian articles of jurisprudence, will be protected. I demand to speak to my commander. We will contact your commander and see that your wife has returned safely to your station. You will be taken to Central Prison on Cardassia Prime to await trial. I'm not going anywhere with you. So in this episode, Miles and Keiko are going on a vacation, and Miles gets basically kidnapped um, and taken to Cardassia, and he's going to be put on trial. And in Cardassian law, you are already made guilty, and the verdict is already um, put forth before the trial even happens. Uh, apparently he's being accused of, uh, smuggling some weapons and being a Maquis sympathizer. Turns out that no, he's not. Um, someone that he thought was his friend from back in his own personal Cardassian wars, uh, turns out to be an actual Cardassian in human disguise. And then when that's discovered, the whole trial gets, uh, um, you know, steered a different way by the end of the episode. But what I like about this episode, first of all, the entire cast, except for Quark, gets to do something in here. Whether it's Cisco, whether it's Odo going to Cardassia with Miles, um, Bashir, Dax, everybody kind of gets to do something in this episode that makes it uh, more enjoyable to watch. So we get to keep some Maquis stuff going. We get to see Cardassia. Um, it's an episode that reminded me a little bit of TNG, the episodes Chain of Command, where Picard gets kidnapped, where you get to, you, you just get to see some other stuff behind Cardassia, and you get to learn about their people a little more. Uh, we get some inner conflict among the characters, especially between Julian and Kira, so that's strong, and that's keeping to what the creators want. Um, the actor playing the counselor, I didn't write his name down, he's great. There's an interesting line that Cisco says about 
finding information about certain Maquis suspects and rounding them up, you know, that's kind of, that's an interesting uh, way to put that, especially considering their predicament. Uh, so all in all, just a great episode. Um, I, I found myself really liking it and really liking it the second time I watched it too, when I already knew what was going on and you were just able, I was able to sit back and kind of watch the episode. And then finally, episode 26, The Gem Hadar. The communications array must have been hit. Kira Dax, you heard him. Let's get out of here. Major, one of the Jemhadar ships is making a direct run at the Odyssey. Move to intercept. for a suicide run. They're showing us how far they're willing to go. Set a course for the wormhole. Cisco, Jake, Quark, and Nog are taking a trip into the Gamma Quadrant. They get kidnapped by the Jem'Hadar. They meet Eris, who uh, they believe might be, well, by the end of the episode, they believe might be one one of the founders who are the leaders of the Dominion that we've been hearing about all through this season. There's a second mention of that new Bajor colony in the Gamma Quadrant, and then we find out in this episode that they were destroyed. And then as a way to uh, rescue the Cisco and company, um, the people of Deep Space Nine get help from the Odyssey, which is an which is a galaxy class star starship, just like the Enterprise, and led by a very you know seasoned, arrogant captain. It's kind of cool to see a galaxy-class ship, uh, but then we get to really learn what the Jem'Hadar are, Jem'Hadar are about because they somebody does like a suicide run against the ship, blows it up while they were ret- retreating, killing everybody on board, and suddenly you go, hmm, they're kind of serious. And then at the end, uh, Cisco says, all right, you know, if they're coming, Deep Space Nine is going to be the first stop that the Dominion uh, will come to once they come through the wormhole and they have to be ready. So it's an episode about learning. We learn about the Dominion. We learn about the Jem'Hadar. We learn about Cisco. We learn about, you know, how far he's going to go. Um, the Dominion learn about the Federation and about humans. So it's very much a prelude to bigger things. And um, as a cliffhanger episode, it's good. It's good. I enjoyed watching it the multiple times I watched it. So before I get to the honorable mentions, I said that the Dominion has been talked about throughout this season, and I just wanted to go back to where those episodes are. So you have episode seven, Rules of Acquisition, which is all about uh, the Ferengi trying to get a hold in the Gamma Quadrant. So we hear the word Dominion a bunch of times, and we learn that they probably, um, well, Basically, the Ferengi learn that this big secret in the in the Gamma Quadrant is the Dominion. 
then we get episode 10 called Sanctuary, another Dominion mentioned, where you get this whole race of people that are coming out of the uh, Gamma Quadrant uh, because they were being chased by certain members of the Dominion. Deep Space Nine, episode 12, The Alternate, which is where we meet Dr. Mora, the man who found Odo and raised Odo, basically. So this is less about the Dominion, but more about the origins of Odo in the Gamma Quadrant. We get to learn a little bit of information. I don't know why it wasn't one of my favorite episodes, but in terms of uh, mythology, it makes sense. And then Deep Space Nine, episode 16, Shadow Play, where there was this village of holograms. We get another mention of the Dominion and also a mention of the Changelings. Um, Not a strong episode, but at least it was there. So my honorable mentions are Deep Space Nine, Episode 4, Invasive Procedures. This is one of those episodes that features Dax and features everything about a trill because there's this character that is going to, that wants to take Dax, the trill Dax, from Jadzia and put it in himself. It's a good episode. It's fine. What I really like about it is John Glover is really strong in it. He plays the trill that wants Dax. Megan Gallagher is in it. Tim Russ is in it from Voyager as a as a Klingon. There's just some things I don't like about it. I don't like the way Quark gets off uh, no matter how bad he is, no matter what he does to possibly put everybody's lives in danger. He, he always gets away scot-free, so... I don't know. It's fine. It's a fine episode. Not my favorite, though. Um, Episode 17, Playing God. Not a great episode at all. It's another episode about Dax and uh, a Trill initiate called Arjun. And this whole thing about a baby universe ready to explode on the ship. The only reason I put an honorable mention on it is because it introduces the Cardassian voles on the ship. And you actually get to see them. And there's a really funny moment with Quark and a vole. So that's the only reason why I put it there. Um, Episode 18, Profit and Loss. Some Cardassians come on to Deep Space Nine. They call themselves teacher and students. uh, But Quark knows them. And in fact, he was in love with one of them. And we get to learn a little bit more about Garrick. It has some station history. It has some character history with Quark. Um, by the end, some of the, the fugitives, the fugitives escape again, no consequences for anybody, not for Garrick, not for Quark. Uh, so the whole, I don't know, the ending just kind of killed it for me. And then episode 22, the wire, another Garrick episode where he has an implant in his brain and you learn about his history as a member of the obsidian order, his history with the Cardassian occupation and um, his relationship with Bashir. His, uh, we get to meet a character named uh, Tane, who I know we're going to see more of later. Uh, it's, it's okay. It's a good episode, but for some reason it's not a strong episode. I wish it was stronger. Um, but, the, but the actor playing Garrick is very strong. And I love that he's giving things for Bashir to read and one of the last things he does is give a book on Cardassia um, about a Klingon war that that um, I think is some kind of like fictional account of of uh, what it could be like if there was a Cardassia-Klingon war. And that makes me think, oh, wait, that could almost be Garrick giving Bashir a clue to what's going to happen later down the road. 
So again, not a great episode, but some interesting things that happen here and there throughout. All right, so that's it. That's my list, my list of favorites from Deep Space Nine Season 2. I get to jump into Deep Space Nine Season 3, and then halfway through 3 is when Voyager Season 1 starts. So once again, I'm going to have to flip-flop back and forth. But, um, you know, oddly enough, I thought Voyager started later. I didn't think it started this early within Deep Space Nine, but apparently it does. So um, I'm going to start watching both of them soon. So that's kind of cool. But um, I'll continue to do the same thing. I'll do an episode on Deep Space Nine Season 3, and then I'll do an episode on Voyager Season 1, and we'll just flip-flop back and forth and until I'm done, and then we'll continue on from there. All right, let me know what you think of Deep Space Nine Season 2. What are some of your favorite episodes? I still need to do an episode on the movies for the original series um, because somewhere in here... Uh, somewhere in season three, Star Trek Generations happens. So eventually I want to do the movies um, featuring the TNG cast as well. So by all means, send me an email, peterthedailyrios.com, or go leave a comment on the website, thedailyrios.com. If you haven't visit, visited the website, um, yes, there are some podcasts there, but there are also some podcasts that I were guests on. So if you don't follow me on Twitter... Uh, and you don't know about it, you can go to the website and look for Podcast Appearance, and you'll see all the other um, podcasts that I've been doing. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Peter J. Rios, or follow me on the new Instagram, The Daily Rios Instagram, where I'm dropping all kinds of comic book stuff. All right, this has been The Daily Rios, episode 456. Talk to you soon. Bye.